Webmaster Radio helps you to find your inner peace and help you discover the key to success. Webmaster Radio presents Good Karma. Whether you are a newbie or an experienced internet explorer, it's time to find the answers that you seek. Ask the questions that others are afraid to ask and earn the rewards of your good karma. And now Webmaster Radio presents Good Karma. And now here is your host, Good ROI, Greg Nyland. Hey everybody, welcome back to another great show of Good Karma where it's always an excellent time to talk about anything for internet marketing, helping the newbies, and also the old dogs learn new tricks. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about latent semantic indexing, which is a really big word for saying that instead of looking for pure keyword density and pure 100% matches, that the engines are now smart enough to figure out that dog and cat are related and that they're both pets. So today, to help us with this really great topic, which is going to be a big aspirin day, get out your extra strength aspirin, we have Michael Berry on the line. Michael, you there? Yes. Michael, um, you are the head of your department in University of Tennessee, where you have a bunch of papers, right? That's correct. (laughs) (laughs) So for anyone that really wants to get into some heavy reading, check out his papers at cs.utk.edu slash LSI. That's correct. That's, that's, the, uh, that's one of our websites. That's the latent semantic indexing website we maintain. Yep. Um, so very simple. Let's start off. What is the kindergarten version of what is latent semantic indexing? Okay. Um, this uh, work, uh, was attributed to a um, uh, collection of people back in the, um, just giving you a little bit of history, this, this goes back into uh, the early 80s, um, it's that far back, in terms of looking at techniques uh, for improving conceptual retrieval. The, a lot of the early work was pioneered by um, the colleagues at uh, Bell Labs, and then after the Bell breakup into the Baby Bells and, and, mm-hmm. and the, uh, the Vestager, um, the forming of Bellcore, the research wing of the Baby Bells. Um, Bellcore was uh, several people, Sue DeMay, Tom Landauer, uh, Carol Lockbaum, several of the people that were working in, in the cog- uh, cognitive psychology group uh, were working on this technique. Um, and uh, by looking at how to improve a vector space representation of information, of how terms and documents might be associated in a, in a better way than traditional lexical matching approaches. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase that. What I mean by <laughs> that, that documents wouldn't be simply related just because of using the same words. In other words, that... Um, unfortunately, it, it depending upon how you look at it, or, or, or fortunately, there's an inherent mismatch, of course, between the way uh, someone writes versus the way someone reads. In other words, readers and writers always have an inherent mismatch in terms of the, of the verbiage and the word usage patterns. You may say something that I would, uh, we may read the same information, and then I write something about it, and then you write something about it. It's not certainly a guarantee that we're going to come up with the same exact lexical verbiage, in other words, the same exact words. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this has plagued the problem of search engines from the very beginning, is that if, you know, well, gosh, if you would just use the right words, you'd find the right stuff. It also mimics very much what librarians deal with in the sense that uh, a lot of uh, the time in a library, public or university, private, what have you, uh, a lot of the time the librarian is sitting there uh, trying to figure out exactly what it is that you're looking for because many of the times the query or the patron is not very sure and they're not really sure how to specify what it is that they're looking for. It's exactly what happens in search engines. In other words, that your culture, your educational background, who you are, what part of the country you live in, euphemisms, colloquial terms, uh, whatever, bias the way you uh, represent information. And so it's, 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 it's not realistic to expect every document to have a <laughs> multiple five, ten versions of themselves to, make sh- to match exactly what it is that you type. So, um, so the folks at Bellcorp were looking at techniques uh, to try to improve upon that and the idea of looking at um, uh, multidimensional representation of information. And, and this comes down to the idea of, what's, of, of idea of a vector space, which is a, certainly a very mathematical 
oriented uh, uh, construct that's, that's taught in and in most colleges, certainly in calculus, you know, you take vector calculus and things like that, the idea of a high-dimensional space. And so how mm-hmm. can terms and documents be placed into a multidimensional space for basically data, uh, for data mining, for, for hopefully placing documents into the space in a way that two documents, for example, that really don't use exactly the same words, but use words that are synonyms of each other or, you know, uh, different, uh, different ways of saying the same thing. Uh, I may say car, you may the automobile, but we're really talking about the same thing. So how can documents that don't use exactly the same words get, get positioned in a, in a vector space that, that queries can be projected into, and then, then you simply you know, extract from the vector space what it is that, that uh, the, 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 the documents that are, are nearby. And, and there's there are a lot of mathematical constructs, and LSI is based on one of those constructs, the idea of, of a low-rank approximation to, the, to this original um, term-to-document association, which turns out to be, for, all, for, for, for practical purposes, a matrix, basically uh, rows representing terms mm-hmm. and documents representing columns. And if you construct this matrix or a tableau or a table, however you want to look at it, um, of associations, you will find a couple of interesting behaviors. Number one, that matrix is generally very sparse, which is a good thing, because if it wasn't, that would mean all of our documents and everything we write have every word in the dictionary. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that matrix is very, very sparse. And then so a lot of, it, uh, a lot of what's involved in LSI is to look at how we can um, do a better job of representing that original matrix, which we pretty much feel has a lot of noise into it. And when I say by noise, I'm talking about the same kind of aspects in, 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 you know, in, in signal processing and the idea that there's pure signal and there's pure noise. The noise here in, in retrieval world is related to the obscurity of language and the fact that, you know, that there's many different ways of saying the same thing, and there's not necessarily one right one, but there's... Uh, there's, there's ultimately going to be um, noise due to word usage patterns that are affected by different writers and, and readers. And so the idea is to, if we can project down this data into a vector space um, of basically smaller dimension, if you had 100,000 documents, we don't want to be living in a 100-dimensional space. We'd like to project it down to a smaller number of space that computationally we can manage. And then hopefully in navigating that space, we will force things to be aligned. And I use a good analogy, for example, uh, with colors. In other words, that you could represent colors in three dimensions generally fairly well, you know, with, uh, with a red, green, blue component. And you'd, and you'd imagine that, you know, I would just have a, com- uh, a vector space representation of a color as a component in red, green, and blue. But then if I compressed it down to two dimensions, right, mm-hmm. and, and you could only be a combination of black and white, then I'm going to have all these grays. And ultimately, some colors are going to be aligned <laughs> because of their shading effects and, and their, 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 you know, the, 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 how much light or darkness they involve. And ultimately, some things will be put together. That's exactly what we're doing and the idea of using LSI for document and text retrieval and search engines is that we really want to force things, constrain things that, are, that share similar usage patterns of words together. And hopefully that, um, that readers or users um, will, by, by navigating the space, actually hopefully will not only get useful information uh, for what they want, they can actually learn in, in sort of a machine learning way, they can actually learn um, what it is that their, their query, how their query could be better phrased because they'll see other documents that, wow, that doesn't have exactly the same language or text that I used, but it's really on target. And, and now I've learned something about maybe reformat, reformatting the query from a, so you could argue, from a, a, feed, a feedback standpoint. And that's what makes the, the method uh, fairly, fairly interesting. That you could, you know, we used to build um, uh, interfaces to these tools years ago, and we'd watch students use it, and they'd just get sucked into it and, and try to understand why it is that the space is organized the way it is and, and how words uh, can be used. And you, user, you, would enter, you would enter queries, for example, with rock and roll in it, thinking music, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden things come back from bakeries and pastries, and, and then they'd realize that, oh, yeah, roll has another meaning, and, and they start looking at how language uh, has so many different usage patterns 
learns and and how if you learn how to be more specific when you need to be or more general when you need to be, you can get a better result. And you need constructs and, and models that can be adapted to it. And uh, LSI was one of the methods. There's certainly very many out there that can be used. and uh, But it's one method that is very computationally uh, well-defined, and software has been written for it. And uh, it's been incorporated in many different contexts uh, for a whole host of applications. Are there any publicly available databases or uh, constructs that someone can go in and type in role or type in another word that they're interested in and see what words are related to it? Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that have taken, not just with LSI, but many other types of um, uh, of data mining and, and machine learning uh, and AI kind of uh, algorithms and approaches and have tried to build and, and have built sort of online, online thesauri, you know, the ability to to uh, to to get similar words and build ontologies. And, and certainly there's a lot in the industrial world that I think uh, a lot of firms have, have done. Um, uh, but I think, you know, uh, even a Google search will turn up, you know, semantic analysis kind of tools that... Right, if you that, use the Atilt key before your keyword, Google right. will bold all the uh, LSI-related terms. That's right. And, uh, and our focus here at Tennessee has been uh, looking at how do we build effective infrastructure um, to, 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 net, to, to drive these kinds of technologies because these sparse matrix computations are, are in and of themselves fascinating problems and require um, uh, a lot of computational in, ingenuity to learn how to do things faster and better with larger problems and, and, uh, and how to accommodate users' feedbacks, for example, and, and how to apply it in a whole host of applications. We've done things, for example, with building uh, conference organizers. In other words, years ago, um, we had, <laughs> I was part of a program committee, and, and uh, the chair came to us and said, uh, guess what, we have a uh, hundred and something contributed papers, and the schedule is due tomorrow. And, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm not going to read all this, <laughs> and certainly the students aren't going to be able to help read all this in one day's time. So we were able to use LSI basically to parse all of the submitted abstracts and then built a vector space, uh, you know, it was maybe a 30-dimensional vector space, far far smaller than the number of, um, of submissions, and were able to take the conference themes, for example, as queries, mm-hmm. and cluster the uh, the abstracts and uh, and organize the session in one day and uh, and of course there were some abstracts which were so general they could have been in any conference but 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 for the most part um, the it did a great job and kept going around the conference asking people how was your session and <laughs> and uh, and it was well received and uh, that that was one illustration of using it. Let's take a brief moment just to go over the many different uses for LSI, Mm -hmm. um, because there's people that are applying it to email, getting rid of email spam. Yes. Um, There's also some college professors that have played around with grading term papers using it. Yes. Actually, Tom Landauer, I mentioned Tom before, and Tom is... Um, wears, has two hats. He's certainly a distinguished professor of psychology at the University of Colorado. He's also president of his own firm called uh, it's called CAT, Knowledge mm-hmm. Analysis Technologies, and and they've done an excellent job of looking at essay grading and have formed products uh, that I believe, if I'm I could be mistaken, but I do believe have been used by the um, the SAT folks. In other words, that now I think the SAT two has a component of essay writing and they've been looking at the usings of of, of of these LSA or LSI kinds of technologies for trying to look at content coverage, you know, in essays. So essay grading I think has been a real success story. Or at least, you know, monitoring it and, and assessing uh, writing for, for content. Um, and, uh, and and that is certainly I think a really interesting um, application that's been well-received. And uh, some others that have come up recently that that I've been aware of is um, human resources. That turns out to be a really um, very interesting um, aspect because one thing 
that there, there's there's pros and cons of certainly to every technology. And, right. and one potential con of LSI is that when you build this vector space model and you and basically again visualize a high dimension, much more than three, but every dimension or or every axis of dimension, let's just say that that represents your data, the the, the method's not going to interpret that directly for you. It's not going to tell you that the first component is is um, time. And the second one is uh, what state you live in. The third is the person who wrote it. I mean, it's not going to be able to do that to you. So it's producing uncorrelated um, representations that that allow you to, or factors, so to speak, to to allow you to you know have a uh, have a, a way of representing in a, in a sort of you could almost argue a fair way of how things are 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 correlated or not correlated without any built-in bias. Well, that turns out to be very interesting from a human resources standpoint in terms of trying to decide how people match profiles. And mm-hmm. so I'm aware of the fact that people are looking at these kinds of methods these, uh, to take, um, uh, say, resumes or perhaps even better, responses of people applying for jobs so that there's these, these, these online forms with specified questions, and um, the person then types in their response. And then the company would like to see how that response would project into a space, for example, of, of an expert you know, in that field or taking writings of people in that job description or, you know, who have had that job before and to see how well the person's reaction to some, uh, maybe it's a scenario they throw at them. If you were presented in this position, how would you respond or act or what actions would you take? And they could take that and actually see how that person would reflect you know the previous guy or person, or or you know, or you know, could, can you even detect which leads to another application area fraud? They're 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 really lying, or they really don't know what they're talking about because they're using words in a totally incorrect way. And so uh, so people with the huge volume of jobs out there and the cost effectiveness, if you can interview people electronically um, before. Inviting them or paying uh, travel costs to fly them in to to look at them personally, this might be a first pass filtering approach, and so that turns out to be, I think, of a, a real interest area. Great. Well, we're going to have to take a quick break sure. for some uh, commercials to pay the bills. These okay. are uh, great uh, guys uh, that we're going to listen to, and I love all their stuff. So support <laughs> our sponsors, people. We'll be back in a bit. Six million, point two million dollars, point four billion dollars, six million dollars. Then just kicking ass with the main name, Monty, 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 Monty. And what's been your highest domain name sale? How much money was it for? It was approximately $144,000. About 150 grand. That's correct. Okay, great. You have had eBay by rent.com and shopping.com for a combined $1.4 billion. Monty, 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 the master of your domain. Monty. Literally probably 90 days after buying it uh, for $80,000, Interbrew bought it for $7 million. We appraised the property and helped get it sold for $3.4 million. It was the most valuable asset that they had, $6 million or $10 million on a domain name. When we sold autos.com for $2.2 million, people thought it was nuts, too. <laughs> domain Masters, only on Webmaster Radio. Be the master of your domain. For the last decade, millions of visitors seeking top ranking have visited their site. When it comes to the internet marketing expertise, one name clearly stands above the rest. Bruce Clay Incorporated. With a flexible, time-tested, and spam-free process to SEO and PPC, Bruce Clay has become the number one choice for companies of all kinds seeking to improve their search engine ranking, utilize their latest tools, training, consulting, and services. Let Bruce Clay create a tailored solution to meet your internet marketing needs today. Bruce Clay Incorporated. How do you choose the right affiliate program to partner with? All we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50%, the highest payouts on the net, and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. 
Like the idea of gambling and winning with someone else's money? How about cashing in with the house? Sign up today with PartyPoker.com, the world's largest poker room and poker affiliate program. Cash in on one of the most lucrative and fastest growing industries for webmasters. There's $10 million paid out to webmasters every month. The world is your oyster and every hand is a winner. Wouldn't you like a slice of that pie? PartyPoker.com. Betting on the house makes you a winner every time. Contact Alex L at PartyGaming.com for a great deal. PartyPoker.com. Webmaster Radio presents Good Karma. And now here is your host, Good ROI, Greg Nyland. Hey everybody, welcome back. We're talking here with Dr. Michael Barry of the University of Tennessee and we're chatting about latent semantic indexing. And for all of the students that are uh, downloaded this podcast, uh, hi guys, and hope you're uh, getting ready for your exams or term papers and um, bring an apple for Dr. Barry. <laughs> He'll go easy on you. <laughs> um, so let's take a, a moment here and let's chat about what are some common misconceptions of what LSI is. Well, I think there is. Um, it's it's interesting that through the years, um, a lot of engines um, were, or people working on search engines, were looking at LSI as is a primary way of improving precision. And let me back up and, and talk about what we mean by precision. In other words, um, you know, one of the in, in retrieval, uh, there's there's standard measures of performance that people like to uh, to use, or at least you know, in some fashion to qualify, you know, how good a model is or a good an approach is. And, and, and one of those measures is called pre- precision. In other words, of, of the information that you retrieved or the return list or the rank list or however you want to, 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 to specify that, of that information that was retrieved, how, how many of them were really relevant? To, mm-hmm. to the query, and uh, so you could look at that as a as a ratio. And of course, if you were lucky enough that everything you got back was uh, relevant, then you would have what we would say is a hundred percent precision. Another alternative measure um, that that is commonly used in in, in, in IR terms is re, what was called recall, and and recall is uh, very similar to precision, but in in that regard. It is um, a, a ratio saying that of the information that was known to be relevant uh, to to that query or to that to that uh, specification, uh, how many of those did you did you retrieve? So clearly now in in the web world that will be very difficult because at any given one time how can you specify that you know exactly how many relevant websites or or, or web pages are out there that are relevant to your query? Uh, so that it's it's difficult to do and web searching, but it's very possible to do it um, and, and, and with standard benchmarking collections and collections that have been curated or, or, or used for um, uh, competitions, for example, and, and, uh, and testing environments. So um, the thing was is that LSI was originally built to improve recall, mm-hmm. not necessarily precision. It was the idea of the needle in the haystack that uh, lexical matching approaches inherently would suffer from problems of synonymy, synonymy, but also another big word, polysemy. In other words, the fact that the user types the word bank, and I could probably give you six connotations of the word, at least six. You know, do you mean a financial institution? Do you mean, do you mean something next to a river? Do you, is this a pool shot in billiards? Um, you know, and, and, and so this is the nature of language, is that there's many different ways of, 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 of going, and you need other words, of course, to clarify that context. And so um, the idea is that this multidimensional representation, this, 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 this constrained space, uh, this constrained vector space, would allow you to uncover and reveal these, uh, an, an underlying, hence latent, semantic structure of the documents that would just totally have gone, uh, uh, would have been missed totally if I have to find exact matches of words uh, to certain documents. And I think, so the recall problem, improving the recall, trying to get back as many relevant things to that topic as possible, um, was the real was the real um, premise for, for pushing this technology. And, and so pre- uh, precision hopefully is improved, but it also is going to retrieve perhaps information that at first doesn't seem relevant, but, but may well be. 
And and that was, I think, one of the f- interesting differences between this model is that in search engines, uh, if, you, if you think about this, I mean, when user types in the word to the query, uh, the search box or however from Google on, um, there's expectations of what's coming back. And what's interesting is LSI could actually do a very, very good job of finding relative information that doesn't have your words in it. <laughs> and so the problem is, is the user will look at the list and go like, hmm, my words aren't here. And, and then and the immediate reaction may be, well, there's nothing here that's relevant. But actually, it could be very relevant, but you're just not aware that there's a different colloquial term for that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I said heart attack, and all this stuff is on this car- myocardial infarction. What is that? You know what I mean? And so users needed those highlighted keywords because that was an automatic pattern recognition of that the return is matching somehow to my query. And if I give you an LSI model, that's not always going to happen. And so there could be this issue of, yeah, you may have any, you may need a document surrogate. You may need a couple of lines of the of the article, or you know the abstract or what have you, to so that you would be convinced that you know what this is really good, this is relevant, and that's not exactly the way I would have phrased my query. But now maybe I will f- rephrase my query again with this idea of feedback and realizing that um, there's many different ways of specifying that information. So, um, so that's some of the problems and, and concerns is that LSI doesn't necessarily behave exactly the way users would would intend and that and that it was really geared more to finding those nuggets finding that needle more so than trying to make sure everything matches the same specification what do you think the future of lsi is is it going to continue to be approved or is it going to be replaced by another idea well i think you know and and my view of this world is that it's 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 one aspect of a very important um Toolbox. You you need to have multiple ways of mining and encoding and 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 semantic, semantically uh, representing information, and and it has extreme value for for many different kinds of problems for which page ranking in Google will never be able to address, uh, at least not currently. And and mm-hmm. so, uh, and and uh, and I think Google is an excellent. It's a it's a fantastic uh, search approach based on hyperlinking, of course, and page ranking, which I won't go into, but, but it's very different than, than, than looking at some of the, the underlying semantic structures of context that, that methods like LSI and variants of LSI, because there's many new variants of it lately. But I think it's going to be a module that people will want to have available, sort of like that expert, um, you know, like search engines that have the basic box, and then you have the options of expert search, um, you know, we look at it from the standpoint that sometimes take me very literally and then sometimes take me very <laughs> fuzzy, more of a fuzzy type of search. I'm not exactly sure what I'm looking for, but it's in this neighborhood. And I think this is where having vector space models that can provide that kind of human aspect that, no, I really want this, this literally, you know, and give me any document that has that phrase or that exact wording. And then other times, you know, as you know, like me, I'm not really sure how to specify this query, so I'm just going to mm-hmm. put a bunch of words out there and do the best you can. <laughs> and uh, and and I think um, another interesting thing I think has happened that, that is through the past decade or so. What's interesting is that the expectations of returns on in searching is far different. I think early on when we were building search engines. Getting high precision was exceedingly important. In other words, that if you were not achieving certain levels of, uh, of of matching relevant things, then you know your method just wasn't going to cut it, and it wasn't going to be marketable, and no one would use it. It's interesting. I'm not so sure that holds today. I think sometimes people are willing to take hits in precision as long as they can get one or two or three really good things. They're very happy. They're not bothered by so much that that I have to get 20 perfect things to start with, or the list of 10 that I get back at, at, you know, from my query has to be all totally relevant. If one or two are relevant, perhaps um, that's good enough. So that makes it a very interesting world that, that we can have alternative methods now if we're not going to be so 
stringent on on the on the on the amount of of relevant things that we have to get back. But that you know we'd hope to get high quality things, at least a few of them. And I think uh, LSI is going to be is not going to go away. It, it may not be the one way of specifying an index, but I think it's going to be an alternative that mimics human memories and cognitive processing that sometimes. You know, as children grow up, they they take you think they 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 listen and they think very literally. And then as you get older and get exposed to the world, life isn't so binary anymore, isn't it? It becomes very complicated <laughs> and gray. And I think you need models of language and indexing that reflect that same thing. Sometimes it's 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 white or black, zero or one, you know. And then other times it's very gray. And, right. And and I think you need models that can can represent that. So far, what do you, who do you think has done the best real-world implementation of LSI? Well, of course, you know, like I said earlier on, the, the, the uh, patent developers of it uh, at Belcor did some really wonderful projects um, uh, and, and went across the country and even the world to demonstrate how it would be used in developing books and indexing books and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, and there's uh, there's there's companies now that are are looking at how to do these kinds of uh, of, of things, um, and I think um, uh, one company that actually now owns the patent for LSI Content Analyst is doing some really innovative work and in trying to look at how to move the technology and and partner with corporate um, entities to 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 move it in in, in many domains, um, but uh, but. I think what we've been doing here at the university is looking at um, how to uh, how, how to look at problems and applications, and and understand what the software constraints and the computational constraints are going to be. Because, as I mentioned earlier, it is a mathematical approach. It's, it doesn't come for free. I mean, there are aspects of computation that you that you have to deal with. Right. But from an academic standpoint. Would you vote that the automatic essay grader <laughs> is better for you? Well, or I don't know. I'm not an English professor, that? but uh, I think that, um, like I said, for uh, for many application domains where there's just massive volumes of digital information, which I think transcends just about every aspect of society, um, there's a great need to get immediate assessments of what something is about. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where this technology is, is one of several, but a way of automatically producing um, clustering and, and producing, uh, you know, uh, hopefully labels of information that um, people can get quick assessments. It's not going to replace the world. It's not going to to replace the human curators and indexers. But, boy, it's going to give them the ability to take the way they catalog and the way they index to a whole nother level because they'll be able to manage, you know, just you know, hundreds of thousands and millions of documents uh, automatically with just trying to understand how the, you know, what's the best way of specifying a need and how then to get an LSI model to adapt to that and, and, um, and calibrate it. That's the word I'm looking for, how to calibrate that model to reflect certain kinds of needs and patterns. And, um, and the use of the machines um, to do that with software and, and, and good user interfaces um, is is uh, is just going to make the the life of the indexer and the cataloger um, much much richer. Great. Well, we're getting a signal here for doing more commercial breaks to listen to our fabulous sponsors. So everyone, stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's SC Gurus Rainmaker. A Yankee. And his beautiful co-host Brandy. Yankee and a Southerner. I do that lovely Southern draw. I don't, I don't have the Texan accent, I'm sorry, but... No, I don't, I don't think I do either, but I love that honey-drip sort of sound. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> someone's probably going to pull that blur out and use it for a promo now, thanks. Uh, Rainmaker, Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on Webmaster Radio. USA Radio Network News. What happens when super affiliates hit the glass ceiling? They develop RevenueGateway.com. The ad network developed by super affiliates for the affiliate marketplace. Tap into the most powerful and intuitive system designed for ROI. Exclusive tier one advertisers, highest industry payouts, bonus rewards, and rock sun on time payments. Looking to be creative or need mentoring? There is always someone there for you live 24-7. RevenueGateway.com. The secret to your success. RevenueGateway.com. 
3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types Hooker Escort Hookup into another local search engine's one-box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes. One click. Great results. PR Web is the pioneer in online press release visibility. Think beyond search. Online visibility is what really matters. PR Web's exclusive online visibility engine delivers your message to your customers and major media outlets. Get the credibility and attention you deserve. Think online visibility from PR Web. PR Web, the only major newswire service that drives quality, measurable traffic to your site. Your radio target is locked, and you have reached striking. What I'm after is pictures of our favorite monkey. <laughs> We've set up a new blog called monkeypics.co.uk, and if you find the monkey in any kind of weird positions, like drunk on a floor somewhere, email them over to me. We're going to go for a big New York thing, um, an SES, where we try to find pictures of the monkey that you want to see. So if you want to see the monkey naked... <laughs> Um, we'll have to break into his room or something. If you want to see monkey dancing at ground zero, <laughs> then we'll get him drunk and drag him there. Well, monkeypicks.co.uk. Yeah, maybe maybe you can have some of the good people in, in, in our Webmaster Radio Forum post some pictures there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Strike Point, Monday to 3 p.m. Eastern, only on Webmaster Radio. Webmaster Radio presents Good Karma. And now, here is your host, Good ROI, Greg Nyland. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today on the show, we're talking about latent semantic indexing with Dr. Michael Barry of University of Tennessee. He is a master of data mining, but data mining in a good sense, of course. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious, how do you get the IRS to approve your business trips when you say, yes, I'm going to a data mining conference? <laughs> that's, that's true. I mean, some of, uh, some of our recent work, uh, you know, is, 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 is very much related to security issues and, 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 and privacy and things like that. But uh, technology has, has, has always two sides to it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, um, you might want to uh, think about heading into one of our uh, pub conferences um, because every techie I know always loves having a few pints. Okay. <laughs> and so what we do is we rent out a pub and uh. we just go in and fill up the place with all the geeks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a good time. Right. Um, so let's take a few moments here and chat about some of the difficulties that LSI faces. Um, for instance, how does it handle typos? Well, that's uh, actually an interesting point. Um, when we look at uh, text mining, there's um, a couple of uh, pre-processing types of issues. Certainly, um, good parsers are, are, are important, in other words, in terms of extracting tokens and extracting words and phrases and things like that from text. Uh, we as you alerted at the beginning of the show, that we have on our website, we provide uh, public domain software. It's called GTP. Uh, that stands for General Text Parser. Uh, we provide that um, for, for certainly for non um, uh, uh, for for research, for student uses that for non you know for non uh, uh, proprietary usage. Right. Um, and um, part of that software is to is to do extraction and uh, with filtering. For example, if you were indexing HTML web pages, you might want to uh, eliminate all the tags and stuff. Not necessarily the metadata, of course, or anything inside the tag, but but uh, certain body tags and formatting things really really have little or no uh, semantic content to them, so you remove them. Um, Misspellings are actually an interesting thing. Typos and misspellings, uh, identification of a certain kind of, of of a processor or a writer or even identifier of an author that you know <laughs> this is a this is a this is a validation that this is this is from this type of person because they're constantly having these kinds of um, behaviors of misspellings or, or typos things like that or just normal things with the keyboard where it's always 
difficult sometimes to reach over and get that apostrophe or or hit that particular uh, right print or left print and and so sometimes it's it's good to just leave it alone leave the data in its raw form and then index from there and uh, and misspellings are very good because the misspellings will get if they're if the word is only misspelled but used correctly in a semantic in a correct semantic way, lo and behold, in the vector space it'll be aligned with the correct spelling of the word, um, provided it again, matches the right usage patterns. So the user's query not only although it would have the misspelled word would be positioned semantically correctly. So that, again, gets us away from this necessary lexical match that, you know, the user's words misspell. Do we correct it? Do we give them a list of possible misspellings and say that, you know, is this the word you meant? Is this the word you meant? The advantage mm-hmm. of LSI is leave it alone. Leave, <laughs> leave the word alone, and most likely the fact that a consonant was dropped here or something like that, if it's, a, again, a consistent type of error that's commonly made in the English language or any language for that matter, um, it's, it's actually interesting that this method doesn't need uh, that purification. It doesn't need that cleansing. Just leave the errors in there. And are there any groups of words like slang words or foreign language words that are used in English conversations or anything like that that causes LSI problems? No. Actually, years ago, um, some of my students did this work, but also there was a lot of early work at Belcor and then and Telcordia later on when the company was bought out. Um, uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very excellent method for uh, cross-language retrieval. That and 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 the idea here is that um, you you would like to be able to build a, a representation of language in, in more than one language, and you basically need to start off with a training set, of course, of documents that are translated. Uh, of course, it doesn't have to necessarily be full text. It could just be, for example, an abstract that you've translated so many abstracts or a first couple of paragraphs or just you know whatever summaries perhaps mm-hmm. any any type of something like that and as long as you have a sufficient number of them then you would you would parse all of the co-translated documents and then uh, build a vector space which now has english and let's say french in them and then so that um, so so now you've again the usage patterns are now co- uh, of of the english and the french are now co-occurred together because now you've got the, the French words that semantically related co-occurring with the English words that are semantic related. So the LSI, the LSI space will um, most likely align again those words in, in nearby uh, in nearby geometric sense, even though they're from two different languages. And then by building up this training set, uh, taking the training set and building up this model from it, then you could stream in English, complete English, um, documents or complete French documents and have the ability to query in either language. And uh, we did that, for example, one of my master's students years ago, we did this with Greek. And uh, we did it with Greek and Hebrew, and uh, he was a minister, and we did it with the Bible. It was fascinating. Really? Yeah. And, uh, well, he could do the relevance judgments. <laughs> but uh, that was uh, an interesting... Uh, and uh, the, another uh, aspect of its usage is in the Canadian Parliament proceedings, because I think there are rules in Quebec that everything has to be in both languages. Right. Uh, and, and so this would allow um, the, to model, you know, for the French-speaking population to go in and say, you know, uh, you know what? What is it about? And then the same thing with the English. And again, the advantage of this model is it retrieves documents from both languages. So whether you realize it or not, you're going to learn something about the other language just from the fact that that you've indexed them um, this way. And so, so multi-language retrieval is actually a fascinating technique. Um, and 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 I, I've I've been told that it's it's transcended just. The typical Romance and Germanic languages to to uh, Arabic, and as well as to uh, even even some of the Asian languages. Now, a while ago, Google had a bit of a um, controversy going on in their results. Okay, if you typed in the word Jew, you would get a Nazi a neo-Nazi website popping up. Right. Right. And since we're talking about LSI, and since we're talking about related words, mm-hmm. isn't that a sort of a problem also that's more like you know a PR problem than accuracy problem right um uh i mean if if 
uh, how do you all, ensure all systems, a all systems I mean, if it isn't written together, then we can't put it together unless it's mm-hmm. done artificially externally. In other words, you can, of course, construct ontologies and thesauri in certain ways and have controlled vocabularies. You know, that's an, always an interesting problem there, is that when we're parsing documents, we can make certain restrictions on certain you know, what words we will keep and we, which words we will not. You know, and if you want to address, I mean, this, this does get to censorship. I mean, if you, if you don't index it, then there's not, there's not going to be a match to it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so there is an issue of, you know, of, of perhaps, you know, using the use of control vocabularies. Um, but, but I think one nice aspect of using LSI as a support structure is it is a way of building automatically a thesauri for you so that you would automatically know this word has a common usage pattern with these sets of words so that you could take that as a way of clarifying a query or filtering out something that you don't want that you know, that connotation of that word ever to be used, for example. And um, in certain documents that, that were using those two words together or in the semantic sense would be eliminated or filtered out or, you know, um, or at least, you know, stored away for, for, for other reasons. So, so I think uh, that's the nice thing of, of using LSI sort of as a, as a pre-filter or as a way of building an automatic thesaurus structure so that you understand this word has this many connotations for this mm-hmm. kind of context. And let's take a slightly off track here, sure. um, but let's talk about the money aspect of things um, and how LSI can help marketers and advertisers. Well, certainly, um, looking at the ways that people, um, uh, I mean, I guess, use uh, behavioral patterns, I guess, is certainly a big um, aspect of, of marketing strategies and trying to capture um, consumers in terms of um, what they buy, um, what they watch, and, uh, and, and on, on television and movies and things like that. And, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, you could also look at how people present themselves, how they write, how they um, how they you know represent themselves. I mean, finding techniques to build uh, teams. In other words, if you needed, if you're a corporate interest in, industry and you, you wanted to build a team of people, how might you do that? Well, you you might want to look at the different uh, types of literature that's been produced to try to see if you could automatically come uh, construct an, an optimal uh, corporate team. For example, I guess. It sounds a lot like fantasy football, doesn't it? It's like <laughs> try to see what it, uh, uh, what would it take to 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 get people together and being able to look at um, textual information, perhaps as is one way of doing that. Um, Are you familiar with AdSense? AdSense, um, Google allowing uh, websites oh, yeah. to put Google ads on their page, and they are trying to figure out what relevant ads to put on a page. Right, and certainly you could use a technology like LSI to find hidden things that weren't so blatant and obvious. You know that actually, perhaps um, there's there's latent relationships between words that uh, that might uh, represent a different uh, uh, user base or a different type of, or part of the country. In other words, you know there might be euphemisms in the southeast that aren't known to the people in the northeast, and and if you had literature to mine to to make word associations that that the typical user in one part of the country isn't aware of, that could be valuable because you'd actually could cater the search strategies depending upon, you know, just a, a quick interaction with someone, just a couple of words or a couple of queries with them. All of a sudden, you could you could bring in a different kind of uh, indexing structure that's based on different kinds of word associations. So it's sort of, and that's a very common, that's a very important problem that people are looking at. It called you know personalized search. How to personalize a search based on interactions or, or you know, the the, the types of uh, queries and or documents that they produce. Nice. And what, you mentioned a favorite word of ours. <laughs> <laughs> what are the more off the track type of things? You know, the sneaky things, the fun, exciting things that LSI could be used for. Um, well, I think. Um, Sneaky things, okay. Um, well, you could certainly uh, take, uh, you could certainly index someone's hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you could uh, find out 
things you may want to know or may not want to know <laughs> um, about uh, how people uh, represent their information and um, and there's and and to some extent that that has been of interest in looking at ways that you could automatically sum something up automatic summarization of of the way people organize their information and mm-hmm. uh, um, I think a really interesting aspect would be maybe in the world of blogs. There's so many of them out there, and how do you know any particular blog might be really what you should, you know, post to? Because ultimately, are they too neoconservative, or are they too left wing, or whatever? And you could take the discussions of the blogs and index them with LSI very quickly and get a sense of who these people are. And uh, just by watching how they type and the kind of words they use, and is there bias? Which is another really interesting aspect of using it. Can you detect biases automatically by by uh, looking at the kind of word usages they do? And that was actually an interest that a colleague of mine who was here uh, worked with me years ago, and he was a journalism professor, and that's what he was interested in: taking court proceedings and so forth, and try to index them to see if you could automatically detect the bias in the way the information was being presented. You know? The politicians would love that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, figure out you know how the uh, personalities match up with them. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we're going to head into our final commercial break. Everyone, stay tuned. We're going to be right back after listening from our fabulous sponsors. From WMR Studios, from Academy Award-winning producer, Mr. Producer, and Academy Award-winning director, Mr. Intern, comes a two-hour roller coaster ride of thrills. Excited about the uh, different things that are going on here. Chills. Wow, that's excellent. And pure adrenaline. How you doing today, Greg? Excellent. 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 And again, sounds like the show's going pretty well for you. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Next up now is Chris Tolls. Excellent. And uh, welcome to Next Up. Now, good karma's good ROI, Greg Nyland. Trying to put your hole in the dam with all the cracks. You know, as soon as you get one, there's always a new one. Excellent. Starring the blockbuster event of the summer, Chris and Greg's Excellent Adventure. Um, yeah, that's excellent. Critics hail it as the best buddy movie of the year. East meets West in this laugh out loud box office classic. Excellent. You'll cry, you'll cheer for Chris and Greg's Excellent Adventure, rated EX4. Excellent. Check out Next Stuff Now with Chris Tolls, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, and Good Karma, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, only on Webmaster Radio. Coming soon to a podcast near you. Excellent. How do you choose the right affiliate program to partner with? All we're trying to do is make the most money in the least amount of time. The answer is simple. JoeBucks.com, the world's leading herbal affiliate program. JoeBucks.com is the direct manufacturer, so there's no middleman. This will allow you to make up to 50%, the highest payouts on the net, and also get paid twice a month. Sign up today and watch your income grow. 60-day free advertising trial on the best of the web directory. That's BOTW.org, the Internet's oldest directory since 1994. We know what you want, and we've got what you need. And hey, if you can get some free online advertising in this world with no strings attached, feel us up. I I, I mean, feel free to take advantage of this extraordinary offer and start your no-risk 60-day free online advertising trial today. Best of the web. BOTW.org. 3 a.m. traveling to a conference in Oklahoma City. Steve Talbot's Ford Escort radiator hose bursts near the town of Hooker. He types Hooker Escort Hookup into another local search engine's one box search. He has a great time that he can't expense. TrueLocal.com. Two boxes, one click, great results. Webmaster Radio presents Good Karma. And now, here is your host, Good ROI, Greg Nyland. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We're here chatting with Dr. Michael Berry of University of Tennessee, and we're talking about LSI. Is, before we get in, back into the discussion, is there anything that you wanted to talk about that we haven't touched on yet? Well, um, I do want to point out that there are some excellent liter- there's some excellent literature, not just um, technical uh, papers and conference papers and, and, and journal articles. There's actually some more 
popular type of literature out that 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 uh, the audience could uh, could check out to try to get a better understanding of how this technology works and uh, from from either from the mathematical side or more just from a, a user side uh, and and maybe not such a, a mathematically intrinsic representation so um, we both we 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 wrote a book uh, years ago and and then and then uh, my uh, uh, co-author Murray Brown and I worked hard to produce a second edition this past year. Um, it was it came out in May, and, and the title of the book is called "Understanding Search Engines," with a subtitle uh, "Mathematical Modeling and Text Retrieval," and it's available um, pretty much on on uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes and Noble, Borders, any any popular bookstores uh, search site. You can go there, and. Uh, it's a unique book because it's it's not it, there's something for everyone it kind of uh blends information science with with applied mathematics and text retrieval and uh i think you know it's it's a way that we wanted to try to help the, the uh, many different fields come together to look at search uh, to see how it is a multi, uh, how, to explain how it truly is a multidisciplinary area, and how each of the different areas participate in producing good strategies, and then um, to let them know that there's a, a there's another book coming out. Uh, one of my former students, um, uh, Diane Witter Martin, and I uh, worked on a chapter for. It's a book on LSA. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the title of the book is called Latent Semantic Analysis. Um, LSA, which is a synonym for LSI, uh, and the subtitle is called A Road to Meaning. So it's Latent Semantic Analysis, A Road to Meaning. Um, this is being edited by Simon Dennis at Colorado and Daniel, um, uh, Daniel uh, McNamara at Memphis and then Walter Kinch is, and Tom Landauer, who I mentioned earlier at, at Colorado. And that should be coming out this year. Um, I'm not really sure exactly what the, this specified publication. It will be either this quarter or the second quarter, 06. It'll be published by Erlbaum, E-R-L-B-A-U-M. And I think that's going to be a nice volume that's going to give you sort of the history of this technique, the different applications. It'll, it'll be a nice reference book, um, I think, that, that, that uh, the audience will want to have on this technology. Nice. And um, in case anyone needs a little trick for a cocktail party, <laughs> just ask someone which one do they prefer, LSA or LSI. Right. <laughs> and if you know, there's only one answer to that question. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, is there a critical mass that's of data that's required to really use LSI properly? Um, it depends on the size of the problem, of course. Um, you can actually you can do sample uh, uh, tests of, of the technology in very simple computational environments, um, such as, for example, MATLAB, which is a very common uh, scientific computing environment. And even in that search engine, the Understanding Search Engine book that I alluded to earlier by myself and Murray Brown, we we provide MATLAB examples there, so people can actually build some very simple. Uh, uh, models from from the examples in the book or their own, just to get a sense of how these vector space models actually work. Um, but clearly, for large scale text mining and, and retrieval problems, um, looking at uh, the software that we some of the software we provide, but on that LSI website that you mentioned at the top of the show, we link to many different uh, software packages that have been developed across the country that do LSI type of indexing and uh, written in languages like C and C++. We actually even have it in Java. So uh, <laughs> you could do something on your PDA if you wanted to, but clearly the size issue is going to be an issue, a problem. But, um, but uh, Yeah, I'd be impressed if a PDA could handle that one. That's right. But, uh, <laughs> but, we, but there is a lot of public uh, domain literature and now growing software that, again, uh, this is just one technique among many techniques that you can do for content modeling. Um, but it's been uh, it's been well developed. Um, there's still a lot of issues in research of why it works and how it you know and, and, and when it works and when it doesn't work well. But um, but the fact that we've codified it and in, in, in good code that can be downloaded and, and installed on most platforms, uh, uh, Microsoft uh, PC platforms as well as Linux Unix based systems um, is a real attribute to the to the interest of, the, of a growing scientific community to try to get these automatic techniques out there. And when you're using LSI in the search world, is there a certain percentage of related words that, you know, 
is good or bad or, you know, getting more details into that from the search perspective? Well, um, are you talking about from the query perspective or... Um... Right. Um, before when it used to be um, the Boolean search, just right. pretty much more the merrier. Right, right, okay. Um, well, in terms of uh, LSI, it mimics very much what you would expect on, on most uh, search platforms. That, um, But uh, it, it, there are ways of customizing the model in ways that you could, you could weight more words than others. You, know, you could give more emphasis on a particular word in your list than others. And the model is actually capable of, of, of using that information. In other words, I'm going to type you a couple of words, and I have different confidence levels of some of these words. And that's where I think there, there's some interesting research that can be done with that. In other words, that building better interfaces to humans where I'm going to give you some words, but, but I need to give you more than what we sometimes call a bag of words. We, mm -hmm. we need to give you more information, more structure of the confidence I have in these words, or maybe some of these words um, are, are, are mine, and maybe some of these words are not mine, and, and I'd like to know, you know the effect that, the, you know, how far away from, from getting closer is, is adding this word or not this word, so this kind of perturbing the query in certain ways and, and showing me the distance I would be from what I got before um, is, is kind of an interesting idea. And, and using multiple instances of the vector space um, could be uh, a very interesting way of looking at it. But there's no one answer there, of course, of for every query what, what, what the, the right number of words is. But, right. Um, well, now we're about to start off the favorite part of the show that the audience loves is <laughs> it's called the hot seat. Uh, we are in the chat room here on the Internet at webmasterradio.fm, and everyone that's been listening in along to this uh, in real time has had the chance to send me private messages with questions for you. Okay. So now I'm going to be reading off these questions to you. And um, rapid fire, answer uh, quickly response. Uh, you're in the hot seat. Any final words? Dr. No, Barry, any final words? Okay. We'll keep an ambulance on the uh, okay. call for the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, good question here. Is there any software for dumb people to use? Um, sure. I mean, there's uh, at the LSI website we mentioned, um, there's, there's different ranges of complexity. And uh, even if you were to do a Google search on LSI, you'll see some implementations done in very simple scripting languages, even Perl. So there's, there's, there's a plethora of, of software out there. We focus more on high-performance computing type of aspects of it to do large-scale retrieval. But mm -hmm. there's even simple Perl scripts that can do this. And before you mentioned about checking out sites and blogs and things like that to uh, categorize them, is there any software readily available for that? For, oh, for, for doing the, the blogs? Is right. There, no, mm -hmm. not that I know of. Not yet, so Not that's yet. a great place for someone to uh, go in and take ownership of that. That's right. Um, if my keyword is red industrial widget, how can I figure out what words that help its LSI? Um, well, I think uh, what's going to happen, of course, is that you, you know the the linkages between those three words is what it's going to is going to react to. In other words, mm -hmm. that. Um, and it ultimately will come down to how often have words in those contexts been used together, you know, and, and, and uh, not necessarily themselves, but words that are nearby them are used together. And um, it's hard to answer that question, but, you know, it, it, um, the, the good thing is is that sometimes you, you don't necessarily have to quote things. You don't necessarily have to make words uh, have high proximity to each other. You can actually just say, when in context of these, did words of this nature ever occur together instead of the, these two little words? So that may not answer the question. That's kind of a hard thing. Make it, I'd have to yeah. try a model with it and then say. Um, who is currently making money using LSI technology? Well, as I mentioned before, the current patent owner is a company called Content Analyst. Okay. They own the patent, and uh, they are... Uh, working real hard to 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 look at corporate ventures to uh, to make sure that that the technology you know is out there uh, and that the patent is is applied appropriately um, mm -hmm. and
and uh, I think there were years where it wasn't going very far, and and now I think they're very excited about being able to to partner with people, and uh, they're partnering with us in certain in certain contractual work. So uh, we're excited about that. So that's 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 one, and um, and uh, there, there's others. I'm sure. Right. Um, another question we have here: Where does a beginner start with LSI? Other than going down to University of Tennessee and enrolling in your course, well, that's that would be the best. But, uh, <laughs> no, um, uh, I, I think the books that I mentioned earlier would be. I think we again we wrote the book, uh, the this Understanding Search Engine published by Siam, that's the Society of Industrial and Applied Mathematics. We wrote the book primarily to help people understand that. Um, there, there's technology here that that drives these. It, it doesn't come for free, um, but but you can understand the intent and, and and a little bit of you know how they're built, and then with providing some very simple examples that they could go and play with, uh, and then perhaps partner perhaps with people uh, from applied mathematics and computer science and, and cognitive science and so forth. Um, they could they could they could build their own industry, and they could go ahead and, and look at how to cater their their concept searches for their applications, so forth. So that was one reason for writing the books. Um, certainly, there's a lot of uh, journal articles and out there, but they are going to be very technical and they're going to be very context specific and could take a lot of reading and background. And would LSI be useful for categorizing customer service email to determine the urgency slash stress level and prioritize accordingly? Oh yes. In other words, uh, I think it'd be a great way of doing these kinds of text mining approaches is to look at online systems where the customer is, you know, specifying a particular problem and need, and it's not clear what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. if they could specify exactly what the problem is, again, it's the library, the patron librarian relationship. If they could get it right the first time, then the person on the other end, the support group, uh, would know exactly what the remedy should be, right? But the problem is, is they're giving them very vague general not quite technical descriptions that that that's clear but they've got some of the right words um, but it's not you know they don't, they don't have the complete sentence so so using this kind of technology of just give me a neighborhood of, of relevant information um, that's conceptually not literally related I probably can get into a couple of categories to provide that feedback to the consumer that well clearly you're either in this this or this which which domain are we really talking about and, and which kind of problem really is it, and then the remedy would be immediately um, known. And so it's, and again, to clarify the user interaction um, in, a, in a more automated way, I think would be a great usage of the technology. Great. Um, have you worked with any search engines? Uh, <laughs> that's not sure what they mean there. Um, have different companies or search engine people um, worked with us personally um, yeah, we've, uh, through the years, we've, uh, I had a contract with Apple Computer once, uh, uh, in, in helping build some internal things with an Apple Computer. We've worked with, we worked with DEC and Digital with, with, uh, Alta Vista years ago, um, uh, and, uh, and like I said, we're working with content analysts now, uh, but, uh, we've had some, Discussions. I had one of my students actually intern at Yahoo, not and so there's there's been interest uh, out there. Uh, Google hasn't really come after us personally though. <laughs> yeah, Google is a bit slow uh, right. embracing the web community. Right. Um, Yahoo much better about yeah. that. Um, by the way, Yahoo has a radio show on this uh, station, WebmasterRadio.fm. Excellent. Um, so in case you ever want to, uh, for everyone listening out there, if you want to get hooked up about what Yahoo's all about and what they're doing, tune into their show. Um, so that's it for the questions here. Um, we're going to give away a $240 gift certificate provided by PR Web, great website to handle all of your uh, pub, uh, press releases. And the winner goes to Mr. Adman in the chat room. Congratulations, Mr. Adman. You've just won a $240 gift certificate. Well, Dr. Barry, it's been a great show. i got to go get some aspirin. <laughs> Final words. I really appreciate you inviting me, Greg. It was a lot of fun. I hope that hopefully the information was useful to people. And, uh, and I, again, I really thank you for inviting me.
Oh, it was my pleasure, and we really all learned a lot here. Um, I'm sure my audience did, and I know I definitely learned a lot of things about LSI. Um, I'm always trying to keep up on those papers, but one paper takes me like all morning to read through. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for coming on again, and everyone out there listening, have a great week. See you next week. Thanks. Thanks.